you know, the, there was a time where, hey, you know, you put an ad in the, in the paper, I'm hiring, and you could expect a, a fairly substantial applicant flow. And you could expect that, that those folks that, that maybe showed initial interest would follow through the entire process. And if you offered them, they would accept it, and then they would start. Well, because there's such unrest in the labor market, that aspect of the business takes more time and effort than it ever has in the past. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Understanding what manned guarding can teach EP and the wider corporate security sector. Today, we are delighted to be speaking with Tim Keller, former Senior Vice President, North America for Securitas, uh, just uh, three months uh, out of the role, and it's a pleasure to catch him to gain insight into this really critical industry. Um, I'm here uh, with Elijah Shaw, and together we're going to uncover this topic. Um, so, Elijah, I, I'm interested in this because we often have colleagues from quote-unquote man guarding uh, or just guarding in general uh, enter EP and, and some from EP that enter man guarding, which is, which is absolutely fine. But uh, could we say that there is a revolving door between EP and the larger manned guarding companies? As far as a revolving door, you know, I, I think someone would be disingenuous to say that that isn't true. But it's also not a bad thing. So if you think about the number of talented individuals who you know, worked for larger guard companies and then went on to have successful careers in close protection, they're numerous. Then the flip side of that is there are, uh, I mean, just off the top of my head, I can think of several individuals who... Uh, you know, we're doing close protection, executive protection, and they went on to uh, sign up with larger guard companies in management roles uh, and kind of leading the direction and steering the ship, you know, in those agencies. So, you know, I think, uh, uh, again, the revolving door might have like a, a negative connotation, but I definitely think it's a, a symbiotic relationship uh, and one can use the other at different stages uh, in our in our paths throughout this industry. But are there any actual hireable skills from man guarding that can be applied to EP? Or is this just something that happens with and without demand? You know, we as uh, executive protection providers, we're looking at candidates who, you know, can follow clear, concise uh, directions, who have, uh, their own set of internal motivations. So you don't necessarily require someone to look over your shoulders. Uh, you have independent thought. Uh, and then also that you can understand the big picture. Uh, now, again, there are stereotypes uh, and some of them are true that when you deal with guard services, uh, your quality level might be low, but you know that's taking out or, or blowing up just a portion of a multi-billion dollar industry that's staffed with hundreds of thousands of people. So in that, you've got the lowest common denominator and you've got the cream of the crop. And I think that executive protection agency owners and decision makers and hiring managers are looking for the cream of the crop. 
And so if you know you find yourself working for a guard company, you just want to be the best at that company, not only to to move up within those ranks, but also to uh, you know, make yourself very viable, uh, you know, if you decide to, to go into different uh, areas of the industry. Now, that's a good point. And we often talk about a diverse team, diversity of thought. So absolutely uh, important to have experience, including that man guarding uh, context. But uh, overall, what, what are you looking forward to, uh, you know, with Tim Keller's uh, interview today? The thing that I'm most interested in hearing about with Tim is just, you know, again, his perspective you know, on that guard services industry. And, you know, it might get a bad rap, but it's so necessary. You know, I, I kind of equate it to the fact that, you know, when people get the opportunity, they, they take pot shots at Amazon, uh, you know, or you, you might talk about, you know, Jeff as if, you know, it's a bad thing that he's become so successful and he built this company out of his garage. But Amazon is such a vital part of our lives that, you're checking a mailbox and you're upset if uh, you've got a prime delivery and it's not there the next day. So there's an expectation. And it's the same thing with guard services. You need these talented individuals, men and women um, uh, from all across the spectrum to be at these certain posts or handling these certain specific tasks or, you know, quite frankly, the world doesn't move. And that's actually an ideal place to hone your skills because if not there, then where? I mean, there are other avenues, of course, and we, we have uh, colleagues and friends from um, the nightclub industry, uh, of course, the usual police and military routes, but it, but it seems an absolutely you know interchangeable skill set. So let's get into it. Let's learn from Tim Keller, uh, a very big uh, amount of experience, uh, just left a long-standing uh, position with Securitas, and let's explore the man-guarding industry. And now, let's meet one of the contributors to The Circuit magazine. We're understanding the evolution of manned guarding with Tim Keller, former president Northeast Region at Securitas Security Services USA. It's a great pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? Doing well. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you on, and I know we have uh, several mutual friends, um, but, but let's get into it. We're talking man-guarding or guarding in, 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 in its uh, purest form. Um, what do you think the biggest challenge is with the sector at the moment and uh, that, that we could possibly hope to solve? Sure. I think what's going on specifically in, in the contract man-guarding aspect of security is there's been a huge shift in the dynamic on the labor portion over the last two or three years, you know, first driven by the pandemic and then just this general labor inflation, wage inflation over the, you know, in the aftermath. So, so um, what you're finding is it's basically, it's not as easy to uh, recruit and retain and onboard security officers as it used to be cost more money, more time, and there's less efficiency throughout the process because frankly, uh, individuals that are interested in that career path have many opportunities now in different industries at similar pay rates. 
No, absolutely. And, and those dynamics are, are very much at play across uh, the corporate security uh, world. Um, but taking a step back, uh, wh- what about you? Where, where does your passion for this uh, actually come from? Sure. Well, I mean, I spent a lot of part of my career focused on this topic is, is you know, there, there's always we know man security is a very labor intensive business. Um, so anytime you can look for opportunities to be more efficient uh, with, with, with how you use individuals, you know, in, in the security space or combining that with technology, are there ancillary types of services and in the end result to provide a, a better overall security program, but to do it in a way that that is efficient and, and, and profitable. That's, that's kind of the space that I, 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 I play in and, and um, it is interesting. It's, it's easier. It sounds easier than it is to, to, to execute. Absolutely. With, with, with agency models, you know, it, it is inherently complex. It's a people business, isn't it? Um, but now I'm, it, my third quick fire question for these things it normally says, what would you say to the uninitiated? But to be fair, people will be slightly initiated in that our audience is executive protection and corporate security. What do you think then, instead of that, people believe is true, but they, they really don't understand? What would, you, what would you say to those people? Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think where you're coming from in this is, you know, like if, if you were an individual that says, listen, I want to open up a, a guardian business, right? So, so I, I think what's maybe used to be true, but not quite anymore is it's not, um, you know, there was a time where, hey, you know, you put an ad in the, in the paper, I'm hiring, and you could expect a, a fairly s- substantial um, applicant flow. And you could expect that, that those folks that, that maybe showed initial interest would follow through the entire process. And if you offered them, they would accept it and then they would start. Well, because there's such unrest in the labor market, that aspect of the business takes more time and effort than it ever has in the past. More professionalism, uh, more t- money, uh, maybe using third party services to help bolster the applicant flow. That, that has become a big focus on the business because for whatever reason, there's just these the labor dynamics. You know, we're seeing folks that show initial interest, but drop out along the way. And that means you, you need more in that initial funnel to keep the, the staffing levels appropriate. And, and that, that wasn't always the case. Okay. Well, now that, that, that makes sense. And this, you know, at least reported great resignation is, I don't know, it's having a ripple effects. Um, you know, if it's a, a high risk market, it's different to an employee's market, you know. Um, well, let, let's touch on that then. Let's touch on that. What do you think is happening with the labor force? Do you, do you think that people have said, oh, I am now something different after the pandemic? Or, or do you think they're still in the man guarding space? They're just waiting for the right opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I think probably some of both. I mean, it, the pandemic forced some folks in certain industries to, to, to change course, right? Just because the available the available jobs. But specifically in the security space, I mean, I, I do think there's still a segment of folks out there that say, hey, listen, I, I, I'm a security professional. And that's the space I want to work in. But they're being faced with other opportunities and the same pay rates, Um I think I think the industry and, and I've, I've had conversations with regulators about this. I mean, put it in perspective. If you're, you know, entering the workforce and, um, you know, you have different options and, and one requires you to go through a, a licensing process and this and maybe there's delays in the background process. So you, you can make the same money in industry A or B, 
but maybe it takes you a month to be able to start working in industry A because there's a license. So I think that there's an opportunity to streamline that, to make it more competitive with some of the other, um, you know, just because what's going on, you know, other, other industries have, have really raised their wages. So it's, it's not a wage differential anymore. So it's really about quality of life. I think the security space has a lot of inherent strengths that they can leverage better to, to you know, because a lot of folks are motivated by, yes, money and working conditions, but being a part of something bigger, right? And you, you mentioned, as we were talking earlier, you know, watching the news these days, there, there's, there's no shortage of a need for security. And I think the industry can, can do a better job by really educating folks that, hey, you join the security industry, you can be part of something bigger and help make your community safer. And a lot of folks respond to that. Um, so I, I, again, the, 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 net, the, the, the dynamics have shifted, um, but there is some, uh, there are some things I think that can be done to, to kind of help move folks back um, and, and, and make security a preferred industry of choice for an employee, prospective employee. And, and I think there are parallels to be made when uh, people say, oh, what's the difference working for a private high net worth family and a corporation, right? So people, people ask that. Maybe there's a similar sort of parallel question. Well, you know, how should people who have previously worked in smaller boutique type environments, uh, maybe uh, abroad, um, how should they integrate themselves into a larger uh, corporate security provider? What's, what's that culture shift like? Yeah, well, it, it certainly is a shift. Um, you know, they're the larger organization. There's going to be a little more formality, a little more, you know, for lack of a better word, bureaucracy, right? But but the flip side is there's a potential to get exposed to a variety of different environments, you know, different different types of uh, work work functions, and, and so so I think that's 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 the exciting trade off. You know, you know, working for an organization where um, you you could be you know day one you know, working for this type of industry, you know, whether it's healthcare or higher education or something, or, and then maybe you have an opportunity to work in sports and entertainment or something like that. So, so it's very high profile. Like, you know, we mentioned that tie to the community. A lot of these, a lot of these job opportunities, yes, you're working for the corporation and ultimately maybe working for a third party client, but you're so embedded in many cases into the community. There, there's that effect as well, that you're really the eyes and ears that, that help you know, protect an entire community. And that, and that community approach, I think, is quite rewarding, whereas maybe, um, it, it, well, it's probably very exciting going to hot zones around the world and doing something rather engaging, right? It's probably quite exciting, but it probably takes its toll. And I think that there will come a time when every security professional or every EP operator thinks, you know, I want a career as opposed to a job. And, 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 and I don't mean that in any bad sense. I just think maybe, um, so, you know, a lot of boutique firms are very flat. Um, right. so, so if someone started as a man guard, let's say, in a company such as one that you've been uh, part of for, for, for a long time, how does that career path look like? You know, how, how can they hope to get promoted and, and where does it go? Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And that is another, I think, clear differentiator between, you know, a smaller organization perhaps and, and a larger and um, th that career path can take several different directions. You know, maybe a, full, a person just really wants to become a security professional, right? So, so they can work from an officer to a supervisor to maybe uh, a site manager, 
um, you know, all the way to a situation where maybe you end up being a, a security operations center operator or an intelligence analyst in that kind of environment. Um, there's opportunities to to be a, a global uh, a global security manager for a particular industry or a particular client. So that's kind of the security technician path. And I've seen that happen in many, many cases. And But the other paths, since you're, we are talking about a corporation and a business, there's kind of the business leader path as well. A lot of, a lot of, I've seen folks maybe start as a security officer, become a supervisor, start understanding the, the dynamics of, of uh, you know, how the business works, and then maybe become, hey, you know, I like to go maybe become a, a district manager at some point, or I have a portfolio where I'm taking care of several clients. Um, and then you see that path can go on up to, you know, vice presidents and, and other and other types of, you know, business leadership. So. There is an advantage there. There's there's different ways that that career path can 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 culminate, and, and I've seen it happen in real life. I've, I'm, I know many folks that have started as security officers that are now um, either very senior security um, leaders on the kind of the technical security side, or that are business leaders in the organization as well. That's a, that's a, that's a very positive. Um you know, environment. I, I I really appreciate that. And it's it's in stark contrast to maybe a boutique firm where the only option is to start your own boutique firm after you've which been is, in one. <laughs> which, listen, I have a lot of colleagues that have done that successfully well as, as well. It's just, you know, everyone's has their own goals and wired a little differently, but uh, you know, that that's, yes, you can take that experience and, and, and start your own. And, and um, you know, what's great about the security market is I believe there's a place for, for you know, these different, types of organizations i mean we've talked about it many times i mean security is in such demand right now and, and it can take different 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 flavors so 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 what about training and development now beyond beyond oh yes one must train and keep a foot and keep abreast and all these cpd points and things i wonder if we could hone into specific types of training and skill sets that that help um, mainly because in in the ep world um, there's, you know, people have downtime, people have uh, working time, and in their downtime, they do, they get lots of qualifications like medical skills. And, 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 and yes, sometimes people are just gobbling up certificates because, you know, but, but, but in, in the man guarding sector, what, what type of training could actually make you advance? Sure. Well, I mean, one of the things that, that we saw in the industry during the, during the beginning days of the pandemic and the aftermath was um, security was often on the forefront of decisions on how we operate in this new world, right? And that required quite a bit of focus on uh, interpersonal skills, interacting with the public. You know, think about it. You know, we, we saw we saw some some tragic stories out there where where the security was the function of saying, "Hey, you can't come in here without a mask," or, or you or you have to maintain this level of distance in this line. So, so that required a lot of tact and interpersonal skills, and those skills are transferable. You know, in lots of ways, but but they also can help, you know, prepare a person to 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 take a, a larger role, whether it's managing people or client relationships. So so I think that's that's an important aspect that we've seen materialize and mature in the security industry. And then one of the things that I'm kind of excited about, we're seeing more of a of a convergence between man security and maybe and maybe electronic technical type security, right? Because we're seeing those work in tandem, maybe. There's a security officer on site, but there's also cameras. Maybe there's some patrol, you know, op, you know, that's responding to alarms. So all that needs to work together. So I found in my career opportunities to take that 
security officer and maybe provide some level of initial technical training. Okay, maybe this person is in a position when they're there to reset an alarm or, I mean, change the batteries or, you know, just do some tasks. And, and, and that helps gauge, okay, maybe this person is proficient or has some interest in going down that career path as well. So to kind of take someone who is a trained security officer and maybe say, hey, let's give them some exposure on the technical side. Maybe there's interest and maybe there's, there's, there's some proficiency there that, that can develop as additional career path. And, and that's useful, isn't it? Because I guess on the one hand, you don't have to sit down and, you know, do a diploma in that, but, but on the other right. hand, it, it's just there. It's there for you to try. Um, yes. And, and, and I, I personally, I do bemoan some people that say, Oh, I'm not ready because I have not sat an exam. And, and I think, well, actually there's lots of areas you can engage and there's no, there's no degree of tact. No, no, but like that is a turn of phrase, but there's no like diploma of tax and, and, and that type of skill. Um, right. and, and it's good you, you mentioned convergence and, you know, ad- adaption of, you know, identity access management technology or CCTV and, and, and things of that nature. To what extent do you think then corporate security is going to lead in that or do you think there will always be some sort of power struggle almost with IT? You know, because because I think it's prime uh, prime time to lead on that. Uh, yes, th- that that's an interesting dynamic, and, and you know it plays out a little differently depending on the organization. But yeah, we're seeing those. There, there was a time, at least in my perspective, in the companies that I that I've worked with, those were just very separate, siloed organizations. You know, you had this physical corporate security world, and you had this IT, you know, uh, you know, uh, CISO type, you know, person there. So, so again, I, I think we're seeing convergence there because there's always a human element of of, of cybersecurity. <laughs> you know, there's still a there's still a weakness when it comes to the human element, right? So, so that needs to be addressed. So, so we're starting to. Uh, I'm not sure I qualify. Uh, I characterize it as a power struggle, but but I think figuring out how to work together, but I think successful organizations have recognized that there needs to be more um, cohesion between those functions because they need each other. They need it to, if you truly want to keep your organization safe at all level, uh, they need to work together. They do. Absolutely. And, and then actually working together can produce some new services. And um, I, I, I've been you know running lots of events for some time and especially um, over the pandemic we asked you know what are you going to offer given that people can't be places and we saw people starting to think well if i can't travel maybe i can offer threat intel or maybe i can do this and that what what new services or strings to the bow of a private security uh physical security provider you know what 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 have what's emerged what what new services are out there now yeah, well, I've heard a couple of things. Number one, the thing that you just talked about, yeah, we kind of live in this world now where your employee base is not necessarily all in this one office where you know where they are, you can protect it, right? Both protect it from a physical standpoint and from a from a infrastructure cyber standpoint. So, so what I've seen is, okay, services out there that give the employer the ability to see where all their employees are at one given time and be able to identify potential threats that maybe affect a certain segment based on, you know, their geo geolocation or, or, or whatever. 
and, and be able to, to deliver a message quickly, right? Because you, you don't have the luxury, not, you, know, you can't get on the loudspeaker in the building and say everyone evacuate or whatever. You have to figure, you know, know where they are at all times to some degree and be able to identify threats, whether that's working from home or traveling. Um, and on the flip side, you have this huge army of employees working from home, using company systems, sitting, you know, with varying degrees of technology in their own homes. So how do you protect, you know, how do you protect that from an infrastructure standpoint? So I've seen some services emerge that specialize in, in that space is like, you know, hey, how do we have an easy to use platform that allows folks to be productive at home, but still protect the infrastructure? So I, I think th those are th those are a couple of examples. Um, and, you know, as the workforce continues to evolve how, how they work, I think you'll see the, the security solutions evolve with them. I like that because that links to, you know, working from home security as a service or, um, you know, CCTV as a service. I don't know. Like all, all of this, it makes it possible. And, and perhaps the last two years just opened corporate security, physical security practitioners eyes to, oh, yes, I can. I don't have to be a, a camera expert, but I can bundle it. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. I, one of the biggest effects from, from, from what's going on over the last few years is just what you said is, you know, there was a time, you know, you, you go to certain folks in the security industry, you start talking about the concept of, um, you know, maybe supplementing uh, an on-site person with either a, a patrol capability or some sort of remote guarding capability. And that was just in the discussion, not, not really, you know, no, need someone on site. But, but what's happened is, you know, we, we've seen people have been forced to do different tasks remotely than they never thought they would have to. And, and that's opened the eyes. You couple that with the labor cost increase and some of the pressures in the labor market. And there's a lot more receptive, uh, more receptive, receptive um, you know, folks out there that, that are willing to look at, hey, if there's a way that we can do this, maybe that provides more efficiency, maybe doesn't have quite the same reliance on, on, on labor, because number one, it cost, and number two, it's hard to get enough good people. Let's look at it. So I, I think that's a, a significant shift in in the industry that that creates opportunity. That makes uh, that makes absolute sense, and it and it reminds me of a, a topic I did want to raise with you. Right now, I got fan mail, shall we say? Last time we raised this topic with a gentleman called Mark Fulmer. Um, he he was he was on. Mark. You know, Mark, know right? Mark. Right. Well, <laughs> we asked what about the possibility of robots and we thought about how they could augment the existing workforce not replace and uh, the, the, there was a lot of heated discussion around that because many people said no never ever ever and uh, you know some people say oh it's science fiction um to the extent that you can i mean it is is are, are we nearly there Oh, I, I think we are there in some cases. I mean, I'm familiar with organizations that use robots and drones for, for different aspects of security, quality control, even even public relations to some degree, you know, like, you know, um, so, so, so I, I think we're there. I mean, certainly just the beginning, but, you know, I'm from the opinion that you know, we're never going to completely, you know, supplement the human aspect of security, right? Uh, but the, the idea is how do you get the very best people and make sure that what they're doing is focused on 
the, the things that, that have the most impact in protecting your workplace. And if there are ways to utilize technology, whatever the form, to, to augment what they do, to make them more efficient, to make sure that they can spend their time on the most impactful issues. I mean, I think that's the, the that's, that's the magic, right? That's, that's, that's the, the way it should work. And, and uh, so I, I don't, some people think that's a scary thing or, you know, people, you know, I, no, I listen, people, security is, is and continues to be a security focused business, but um, the key should be getting the very best individuals you can trained, ready, and make sure that they have the, the bandwidth to do what's the most important aspects of the job. That, uh, that makes sense. And that sort of resonates with some of the EP discussions we've had. You know, some, some, someone said, well, maybe you, you will not have a robot bodyguard, but if you're in a hotel room on a penthouse suite, maybe you could station a robot around the corner by the lifts and it will give you a heads up, you know, something Absolutely. like that, you know. Um, are we going to be seeing more of them as a service? Is, is that is that going to be a thing? Um, or, or, or do you think it's going to be very much as part of a, an already integrated team? Yeah, I mean, I, I see all different models out there. You know, there are a lot of, a lot of organizations that just want to want to buy the technology and have that, you know, as part of their own asset. But then, then others are, are like, hey, listen, if you can, you know, I'm, I go to you maybe as a security provider and I, I you you tell me what's new. You, you figure out the best way to help me protect my property. And if that changes, you know, maybe it's a robot today, maybe it's something else tomorrow. And or maybe, you know, I want you, you're the security, you know, expert, you, you keep track of what's the most effective technologies out there and bring it to me and then we can implement that into our overall service. So I've seen, I've seen both models, you know, I guess there's a, there's potentially an advantage to either one, but uh, I don't think there's going to be a necessarily a blueprint of how it works. Um, I've seen different, you know, different organizations have different priorities and, and how they like to, to leverage technology like that. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't advise someone to have the same uh, as everyone because but then you're not a trusted advisor, are you? Because you're just copying and pasting. Um, so where then do you think mobile guarding, man guarding is, is, is sort of headed? Um, what, what new frontiers and, and I guess opportunities, if, if we were to help our sort of predominantly EP community, focus on this we do this uh, on occasion right we don't just have ep episodes so to speak we have uh introduction to retail security uh introduction to um we did one on cameras right what do you, what opportunities do you think there is for collaboration for people with that kind of ep skill set yeah well i mean my my background you know a big part of of, of helping uh, with secure tasks with their mobile guarding division and, and i saw that capability evolve over my time there and and then and, and even when i you know moved on to a different role um the idea of having you know uh, security officers on the street in every major u.s market or in, in you know in many cases around many parts of the world that's a powerful tool. So from an, from an EP standpoint, there's a lot of, you know, technology, you know, threat data and things like that. But the idea that potentially you could dispatch um, a quick response, just another set of eyes and ears, some additional intel in almost any major market in the world to get a, a photo or a read or a, a situation report, and that, that, that can be powerful. And, and you know, we, we, we've, seen, we've seen that happen, you know, 
uh, I've been able to leverage that capability, you know, to help clients that just may have had a very simple immediate need, but it required someone to be on site just for a few minutes for a particular task, whether it's take a picture, pick something up, whatever the case may be. I mean, that's powerful. You know, you don't, you know, you don't have to send someone in, you know, and you don't have to, you know, if you go to more traditional approach, you might have to get someone out of bed and pay a minimum of like four hours or, you know, eight hour shift, you know, I mean, so I think there are ways for so these, these existing capabilities to work and to help augment and supplement, you know, EP intelligence capabilities for sure. Yeah. Cause you could, you could very easily envisage some, uh, you know, man guarding personnel just, no, I'm not doing a full advance work, but, you know, going somewhere, taking some pictures or um, we're hearing that there's a massive protest. Right. What does it, that really look like? Yeah. It's three people with a placard. All right. Yeah. bit different. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so easy today. It's easy to, you know, it's easy to have either, you know, take a photo, video, stream it live, you know, and just to get a sense, just to get a, an eyes and ears on it. What, what does it look like right now? And that's that's powerful. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of technology that people are trying to sell to man guarding companies. They're trying to sell it to EP firms, and they and they say, you know, uh, forget the um, the glow stick, not the glow stick, but you know, the stick that the man guard uh, touches a magnetic point. You know, they say, oh, forget that. This is this is geo fencing, geolocation, and and it's going to take all the paperwork out of the hair of you know the operator. Is is, is that type of tech really taking the paperwork out of their hair? Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of different solutions out there, and I'm certainly not an expert in all. But 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 I mean, I, I think if if done right, um, it, it can create some efficiency. But 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 that's the key. It, it's it's to be implemented and executed the right way. But yeah, I mean, you, theoretically, I'm, I'm not speaking to any particular solution here, but. But yeah, theoretically, if you had the ability to um, uh, to automate some of the scheduling, some of the reporting, uh, uh, you know, uh, identifying who's available and who's, you know, uh, you know, all that type of thing will, will definitely increase efficiency. It's just it's so different than the, the way the industry has historically operated. There's a there's a learning curve and there's a, you know, it's a big effort to kind of change some of the, the older habits. But uh, I, I, welcome, I think it's an exciting concept for sure. And, and, and I appreciate you addressing it because it's sort of just something that popped into my head. And I thought they, these, these companies, they're out there trying to get in front of man guarding companies. And I was like, well, but why? Is it a problem in search of a solution, a solution in search of a problem? Um, so, 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 so I thought I'd, I'd throw that out there because there is synergy because EP, no matter how bespoke and how small, they are still uh, being enticed to use new tech in that way sure yeah no i think there's a problem there's a problem i mean or an opportunity i should say there, there's an opportunity there's there's segments of the industry that that's still very um manually you know very manual and from and takes takes manpower and takes time away from from you know security tasks tasks so i think if you if you can ever figure that out right to automate some of these manual things it will create some more efficiency and then, and then I guess this brings us around to the professional of the future who may or may not harness such efficiencies. Um, does, does man guarding present a useful career path for someone with no police and no military background? Because imagine I want someone to be an EP professional. It, right. I, I'm not saying they can't, but it's a bigger jump maybe than starting off as a man guard. It, am I 
being prejudiced? What what am I, you know, what what is that that like? No, no, I listen, I I've seen I've seen every every dynamic there. That I I have success, there's successful people in the industry that have started out in, in the police and the military and then maybe even retired from that and then gone into man guarding and has had success there seen the opposite i've seen folks um come join the, the the security you know company and work there maybe they're on the wait list to join a police academy and then they work for two or three years and get some great experience um and then they get hired and go on to work in law enforcement um you know military again maybe not even retire maybe they're just one one um one enlistment period in the military and then it's, it's a nice opportunity to come right into security i've seen that and then i've seen folks that have zero experience in military or um, uh, law enforcement and have wanted to be a security professional and have gone down that career path and have stuck with it and successful there. So I, I think there's a lot of correlations between those communities and there's lots of different ways that they could um, support each other. I mean, one of the, a lot of, a lot of companies make a concerted effort to, to try to recruit uh, military uh, folks coming out of the military. And I think that's always a, you know, it, it, they, they bring a certain dynamic. I, I'm, a, I'm a former Navy intelligence officer myself, so I recognize some of the things that the military brings to the table. And, um, you know, I, I think I think those, you know, those organizations work together in a, in, a, in a very positive way, no matter which direction the career path takes you. Now, that, that, that makes sense. That's good. And yeah, we, we've uh, we've previously had uh, Carlos Francisco, the corporate security translator on. Um, he, he, he preaches uh, about the transition. Um, so, and I mentioned, I, I named up these people in the hope that, you know, they're also listening and then they, they oh, my, my name, I've said it good. Um, uh, but, uh, but it is, it is a fun community and I do enjoy working in it. So I do enjoy uh, engaging with the man guarding community as well. Um, and then just quickly, and if you, if, if this is too much, you know, please, please do let me know. What should we refer to it as? Should we refer to it as mobile guarding? man guarding guarding um is is there is there a modern term that we should be using yeah and you, you hear all those terms and, and there's been someone used in the past that are not very flattering <laughs> you know like static guarding or something like that uh, i mean i i think i think you the best way to look at it is, is just an overall umbrella of 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 you know protective services right and and, and you can have different flavors you can have guardian that's on site you can have guardian that's more dynamic and mobile you can have guardian that's completely remote just like we see in workplaces you know you see all these jobs you got on-site hybrid remote right it's kind of a similar solution it's kind of a similar concept um just the idea that there's different ways that um uh, you can protect an environment and and people are always going to be central to that but you can utilize those people in different ways okay very good well i had to ask i had to ask because it is it's quite topical at the moment um, but uh, but I, I, I like it. Well, what's uh, what's what's next for you? Um, what's uh, what what are you embarking on? Yeah, well, I, I'm doing a little uh, consulting in 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 the, in the security space. I'm enjoying that. Really, um, I'm, I'm figuring out what I want to do next is my is my next uh, kind of career move. But really enjoyed just taking a step back and seeing what's going on in the market. It's quite a bit, a lot of change. Like I said, you, you really see this this uh, convergence between cybersecurity and some of the more traditional, you know, corporate security type functions. And that's interesting. Um, and just what's, you know, what's going on in the world, uh, obviously it keeps everyone's attention on the security space. So I'm um, not sure yet. I've got a few things cooking, but, uh, but, uh, but I'm looking forward to the next stage. Watch this space. 
Well, I, uh, I, I like it. Thanks very much for your time. It's great to have uh, caught you uh, with this unique perspective um, following, following a great, uh, a great uh, uh, career in uh, mobile man guarding. So uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. And uh, yes, this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. and the possible revolving door between EP and the guarding sector. I think he touched on a load of great topics. Of course, he has a wealth of experience. He's just come out of a really long-standing career, um, so it's great to, you know, he's free to talk to us. Um, but, uh, but Elijah, what did you take away from today's session? Those are great takeaways. You know, uh, I, I liked uh, hearing Tim's perspective and and the fact that you know there was a variety of topics touched. You know, talking about the the application of of uh, robots and you know addressing those challenges of you know the repetition that you might find uh, working kind of a man post. So it it, it was good to hear uh, a perspective like his because here's a guy who's been there and done that, and that's what I think is what's wonderful about the circuit media in general, whether it's the magazine or the podcast or the different apps, is that we bring in people who are doing it. They're not talking about theory. You know, I, I got this term that's real world versus textbook. And the, the textbook is great, but it's those that, you know, have their sleeves rolled up and are actually doing the work. Those perspectives are ones that, that we should really be interested in hearing. That's uh, right, and I know already I'm going to get a lot of fan mail on the robot topic. And for the record, I am not saying they're going to replace EP. I am just wondering if they could be your buddy, your extra hands. Um, but, you know, it's great to see all the transferable skills and lesson learned. What have you got coming up, Elijah? And as far as me, uh, you know, the biggest piece that I've got coming up that that I feel really good about is this advanced course that we're doing. It's the ICON Advanced Executive Protection course. Uh, you know, one of the, the, I love doing training assignments, uh, putting on training courses. The difficult part is I have to work them around my operational schedule. And as such, I just do these, you know, really short courses. I, I come in and take this block of time. I, I call it an information download with the students. But, um, but what I did was I committed this year to doing one of my advanced courses. And that's a that's a 10-day course. And I've got a lot of great um, and guest instructors that are coming out for this course. Uh, you know, Mark James, I've got Joe Atura, uh, both guests on the show. Uh, and, you know, and I've got some others, which I haven't announced publicly yet. And I don't know if they'll be announced by the time this podcast comes out. So maybe I'll just kind of keep them in wraps, uh, keep those other wraps in, until the next episode. And I'll, I'll reveal that, that whole list. But, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of make a joke. I think this next course is going to be like Avengers Endgame. You're going to have all these heavy hitters in one place. So if anyone's interested in uh, learning more about the course, you can feel free to shoot me a, an email or direct message. I'm uh, accessible on all of the socials, uh, including on the Circuits uh, Magazine's website uh, or Instagram page. So reach out to me and learn more about the course. And uh, I look forward to uh, catching up uh, with 
you guys and telling you on the other end of the course, oh, I should mention the date though. The, the date is September 26th, October 5th. So I look forward, you know, after the course is over to coming back on and, and kind of giving a recap and talking about some of the experiences and the great takeaways. Well, Avengers Assemble, uh, that's probably trademarked, probably not allowed to say it. But anyway, whatever, it's going to be an all-star cast and many of the friends of the podcast and far beyond. I, I've even been uh, treated uh, online to a sneak peek of said uh, speaker, so, so I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, everyone should get down to see you at end of September, uh, beginning October. Um, on the other side of the house, the NABA Protector app and BBA Connect app are doing very well. Would encourage you to download them. It's great for the community. Many people are just posting questions saying, uh, what about this certification? Anybody know? And then a, an answer pops up, and, and that's really the beauty of it. Uh, aside from that, there are some social things being posted. Of course, people are away for the summer right now. People are thinking about winding down. Um, if you can, great. And uh, I am, for example. And uh, I think I think that's a nice angle to see someone's more personable side. Uh, many people on task may not be able to share anything. Uh, so on their own private uh, holiday, why not? It gives you a bit of a flavor of their personality. So keep that coming. Uh, obviously, we're looking forward to Q3, Q4. Lots of interesting things coming up. I uh, will, of course, be running another one of the Circuit Magazine events for you to attend. And, uh, you know, we'll get in a few socials. Um, personally, I'm in D.C. on the 20th of August for a meetup, if you're around. Uh, and, of course, the annual Convergence Forum in Phoenix, 18th of uh, August. Thank you very much to Tim Keller, our guest for today. And of course, actually, I should mention this, Alex Sharp for recommending him to join our podcast today. Uh, man guarding and the possible revolving door, I think, very key in today's economic climate. And uh, I think many people will be looking at expanding business skill sets in both directions. So from Elijah and myself, we have enjoyed speaking with you. And this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. Cheers, everyone. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.